Hello and welcome to the Healthcare Leadership Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Carl Easter. I'm an executive coach and a strong advocate of superior leadership. On this podcast, we explore the essence of leadership through interviews and dialogue and provide you with tangible steps you can take to improve your leadership performance. As a best-selling author, John Maxwell says, leadership is about one life influencing another. The stories, experiences, and wisdom you hear throughout each episode will inspire you to step up, lead, and influence those around you. We would like to welcome you today to this episode of the Healthcare Leadership Excellence Podcast. Delighted to have Maz Antolin of our staff with us. And Maz and I are going to go over some important aspects of why leaders need to be learners. Maz has now worked with us for over two years, participated in several of our mastermind groups, and just welcome today, Maz. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Carl. And so excited to have this discussion about learning. So let's go ahead and discuss um, the first question, which is, why is continuous learning vital for leaders in how does it con- contribute to their success? Yeah, I could, I don't know how much time we have, but I could talk for the next 30 minutes on this one. Everything that keeps on going well works around the aspect of continual circulation. When circulation is compromised to a part of the body, that body, for example, circulation down to the outer extremities of the body, doesn't have a constant blood flow you've got problems. I'm looking here out the window at a gorgeous hillside in Missouri where I'm talking to you from today. And I look at all these plants and they are green and blooming, beautiful trees because they have regular watering with the amount of rain they have here. And then I go to other places and they don't have that regular supply of incoming nutrients and they're dead or they struggle. And what does this have to do with learning? We are no different than the extremities of our body or these plants I'm looking at. A leader, just imagine a a stagnant pool of water. Water is a life-giving source, yet if it doesn't have movement through it, it gets old and it gets stagnant where you can't drink it anymore. And when we, the the leadership expert, John Maxwell said, be a river, not a reservoir. And all with the metaphor of make sure that information and abilities and experiences are flowing through you. You cannot lead if you're not actively circulating that pool of water. You've got to get new information in on a regular basis. Um, People say, well, I've gone to school. I have my degree. I remember cleaning out a closet once that had all my college textbooks in it. And I, I just don't throw away books. And yet I was looking at these books and they were 30 years old. And there had been hundreds, if not thousands of research articles, writings, seminars, 
that had happened since I was in school. If I depended on that, would we want to go to a doctor who had the last time she was learned something on the illness that we had was 30 years ago? We wouldn't want to go to that doctor. So why do we think that people would want to follow us if we're not engaged in active, ongoing, enthusiastic learning? You've written this for a couple of times. And would you like to share your thoughts or your thought process when you came up with the term Mamba or my own MBA? Yes. Um, I'll call him John. Uh, John was one of the most enjoyable clients I ever had. He was in his mid-30s, um, traveled incessantly as a national sales director for an organization here in the United States. And he he came into that meeting that day having just met with his CEO. And his CEO had said, John, you are the national face of our company. And he wasn't exaggerating. Um, the trade journals, within a year, his face was on the most pro uh, prominent trade journal for his industry. He truly was the face of the organization. And he, John came into this meeting excited but overwhelmed. He said, Carl, how do we... How do I keep my edge? And we had a session that lasted two hours where we just put up all the questions that needed to be answered. And John had, he had his bachelor's in marketing and communications, but he didn't have his MBA. And we, we checked his travel schedule. <laughs> a funny story. One of his staff said, John, we'd really like to have you more around the office. You travel all the time. You're always gone. It's, you know, they're exaggerating. So we he actually had been on the road 220 days the year before. I think we figured that there were 240 work days in the average year. He was literally always on a plane. So for him to even do an executive level MBA was out of the question. So we came up. He said, maybe I need to do my own MBA. And since I'm always looking at acronyms, it perfect, MAMBA. So that is how MAMBA got established. And since he did have a lot of travel time, which is a lot of downtime, airplane time, et cetera, we came up with this. The MAMBA is ongoing. There's no end to it. In fact, he came up with enough topics that this would be taking him a good decade, literally, because we listed out all the things he wanted to be expert in. What it is, is that John would take two weeks to research a topic, meaning, let, let's just say, I want to be an expert at um, strategic thinking. So for two weeks, he would look up articles on in Harvard Business Review, Boston Consulting, McKinsey's Archives, Kellogg School of Management, Harvard Project on Negotiation, any place where 
he could get good resources. I shared with him my reading lists of the books I've read. So two weeks just dedicated to finding resources. Now we're running a four month window here. So we've got 16 weeks, two weeks just to find and organize his learning, uh, his learning uh, materials. Then the next 12 weeks, three months for five hours a week. Wow, that's a large chunk. No, it's not. Five, everyone has five hours a week. Uh, we may have to tweak some things, but everyone has it. So five hours a week for 12 weeks. That's 60 hours of study. If my math is correct, 12 weeks times 60 hours of study um, on this topic of strategic thinking. And then the final two weeks of that 16-week block is he's writing a synopsis of all his important items. Doesn't have to be turned into anybody. It's just all the notes, all the little asterisks he put in the column of things he read. He would spend, again, 10 hours, five hours a week, transcribing all of that or dictating it so his assistant could but better that he does it because the act of typing it in or writing it down synthesizes thought better. And that was four weeks or four months. After that time, if he wanted to do more on strategic thinking, if that had led him to even more resources, then great, spend another four months. There's no time, no professor's going to get mad at him, but... Um, Four-week block, four-month blocks. Now, what does that lead to? John was already an enthusiastic person, but this was just fanning the flames on enthusiasm. He it just, it worked so well. And I've, I've suggested that to many people. And they can adapt it to different times and they could do shorter, longer. The idea, though, is to be organized and intentional about it. Excellent. So my own MBA, my own. I, I know that you're a, a reader. You read a lot. And I know that during your flight times, you use that for reading. But since this is my own, or should I say um, leader's own MBA, how do you build a habit of doing consistent time blocking, allotting time to do it. And perhaps most importantly, how do they hold themselves accountable for their own for their own MBA? Excellent, excellent question. Because so many people start out very well and enthusiastic about something new. So and then it goes away, not because they're not dedicated, it's just other things continue to be more important. So like an exercise program, I'm grabbing at statistics here, but I think the possibility of being successful as an with an exercise program without a partner accountability partner is like single digits or below 20%. But if someone signs up for the gym along with somebody else, that puts it up even higher. 
if they hire a personal trainer, it's double near triple digit for a couple of reasons. People don't like to not follow through on what they've said they've done. And if they're investing in it, uh, for example, and this is where now let's take it to leadership growth. So if you if you select a learning partner who is willing to do their own MBA along with yours, that's going to be very powerful. Not that you have to spend the five hours a week with them, but imagine this. If you did four hours a week on your own and then had one hour a week talking about your learnings with this other person, your own mini mastermind group, how effective would that be? Up the ante a bit and find an executive coach that is willing to work with you on this maybe once a month for a couple of hours, include that in your learning time, include her or him in your curriculum so that he or she can know what you're doing and the coaching can get can focus around that. And even better, that you can bring in concerns from your professional life weave it in to your learning and have those coaching discussions, that's going to probably be the best way. Other than that, I think we'd have to go back to the statistics we learned from with the exercise. No one ever started a mamba without the enthusiasm to do it. But then life hits and the baby has a lousy night and you're sleep deprived, and your boss sends you on a trip, and this wonderful plan, because you don't have accountability, just stays a wonderful plan. So a great question. This, Without that question, a lot of this is just, you know, Carl talking, but answering that question, that's big. Thank you for answering that. You bet. Probably my last question here. Imagine me a new leader. Um, I've had my MBA. I've been promoted to a senior position. And I'm somehow, I somehow believe that I don't need another learning pattern or a learning program. I'm just happy with just a book per quarter. That's it. How will you encourage me to, like what you said, be intentional in my own learning? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, and it goes back to the that person's own organization, the leadership. And it, it starts at the C-suite. The chief executive officer, the chief medical officer, the chief operating officer, whatever chief it might be, she has to be enthused about her learning. Um, she needs to pull, since you're using yourself as an example, um, and I, I struggle a bit there because I know what a fanatic learner you are, um, but just for the sake of example here, you're not. Um, that's your direct report, your one up needs to have a very close pulse on this. Um, you can't force your employee to do anything. I can't, if I'm your 
supervisor. I can't force you to do anything, but I can help you see that if you're not willing to play by the expectations of this organization, which is we are learners. I remember this amazing clinic that I did some consulting with for four years. And the head of the clinic, she told all of her people that they had an, can you imagine this mass? They had an open account with Amazon. They could order any book and she would pay for it. In fact, just tell this doctor and she would order it for them. That, and they said, we are a learning clinic, a teaching clinic, a service clinic, and a legacy clinic. And to see the transformation, these were tech level people. These were not people that had advanced degrees. Many of them just had their AA in the medical tech positions that they were doing. And in four years, she took that clinic and just turned it into an incredible place. The last meeting we had, which was February 2020, right before the pandemic, we had a we had an evening meeting, we had dinner, and the techs onboarded the new professional level people. These doctors coming into this clinic were onboarded about the culture, about the expectations by tech level staff who two years before, literally, when they stood up to speak, because they hadn't done any public speaking before, literally, I and this doctor herself, the first time she ran a meeting, her, her four by six note card was trembling in her hand because she hated to public speak. A couple of years later, she was like an evening talk show host, just making jokes. And this woman was not funny to start with, but she just was amazing. So, but she set the standard. She was reading books herself. Um, I'd worked with her just a couple of months and um, we had a coaching session earlier in the month and about, and I'd recommended three or four books. I get a phone, I get a phone call from her and she says, I need some resources. And I said, doctor, I gave you four, <laughs> I gave you four books at our last meeting. And that was 10 days ago. She says, I've read them. I'm done. I need more. And I remember thinking, oh boy, what have we started? So I dug in, I gave her some more. And so when she sat down and her staff knew her and they saw a side of her they hadn't seen before because she was learning something new and it was opening. She was a technician and brilliant at what she did, but leadership was not strong for her. And so they started seeing, and she would dedicate an entire day, a month to this project. I'd come on site um, or she had it at her home, a gorgeous home. She'd bring staff over from the clinic. We had our senior leadership meeting, our general leadership meeting, and then breakout groups. They manage the scheduling at the clinic. They come over and we go through the same learnings that she was going through. And 
might, and sometimes people, yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad she had time and money to do that. This woman was a brilliant businesswoman, extremely frugal. She pulled me aside and she said, Carl, I just wanted to share with you because I never get into the finances of an organization that's very private. She said, I just wanted you to know that since we started this, we've had a 21% increase in revenue with no other variables identified. And so if anyone's sitting there saying, yeah, it's nice that you could invest that much time. No, she saw that to bring her clinic to a new level, she needed to invest. And I think she was, and I was delightfully surprised and surprised. It's, I know it's important, but to see a dollar attached to it, um, and especially from a person who really knew her bottom lines very well, I, I think that should, if there's anyone reluctant to go down this path, I don't see any way that an organization can stay viable without enthusiastic learners from the owner of the company all the way down to the newest, youngest employee. It's, it is a lifeblood. Getting back to how we started, circulation is a key to physical health and I think also to emotional health. If you're stagnant, you cannot progress. Wow. Wonderful. So before we end this recording, let's just, this is like a random idea that I think would benefit our listeners. So let's do a fast talk. The goal here is answer my question as fast as you can, probably less than <laughs> less than 20 seconds or less than 15 seconds. Are you ready? I have just five questions. I don't have a list, but I'll just, I, I came up with like five. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Who's your favorite author? Favorite author, uh, Tom Peters. Favorite book? Um, in Search of, oh boy, I can't say a favorite book. My first one that comes to mind is um, Creativity, Inc. by Ed Catmull of Pixar. The biggest takeaway so far you've read from the last book? I mean, the, your biggest takeaway from the last book you read? Uh, right now, I'm reading The Patient Comes Second. It's in healthcare how we have to take care of our frontline people before they can take care of the patients. Best article sources? Harvard Business Review, Boston Consulting, and McKinsey. Best time of the day to read? For me, it's early morning. I capture the best. That's when I'm mentally uh, the freshest and ready to take in new material. Lastly, why do you love reading or learning? I was taught well by two very, very marvelous parents who were both very learned people and practical people. We had books around constantly, um, hundreds and hundreds of books and reading. I remember, and I'm going longer than 15 seconds. Um, I remember sitting in my living room as a child. I was probably four and I looked at my father and he was reading. I looked at my mother and she was reading and I looked at my sister. I can close my eyes and see this and thinking, I'm not reading, and I don't like this. 
And my first book I read is Dr. Zeus, Green Eggs and Ham. And I remember I want to read. I want to read. We would go to the public library and bring home bags of books that we checked out. We'd have a quiet time every afternoon during summer vacation, and we would read. Um, Now, we did other fun, crazy, wild things, so we're just not sitting and reading. But I think I learned to love information and knowledge from two parents who modeled that. And while some of us may not have that modeling, I think even as adults, if we have people around us that model the importance of study and of acquiring knowledge, not just information, but knowledge with a purpose and how we can benefit the lives of others, um, then I guess my question is, who wouldn't think learning is important? That's the end of my question. And thank you so much for having me today, Carl. Absolutely. Maz, I enjoy our discussions, even though as I look back at the last few minutes, it hasn't been much of a discussion. It's been me just pouring my thoughts over something that I think is so important. I appreciate all of our listeners today. I really would ask that if there's a way you can put this into practice in your life, this is a game changer topic. Um, You will never go beyond the level of your learning. And so if your learning is ongoing and continuous, so is your potential. So thanks for being with us today. And we look forward to having you with us on our next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We greatly appreciate your support and would be grateful if you could take a moment to leave a review for us on any of our platforms. Your feedback helps us expand our reach and impact more individuals. If you know a colleague who would benefit from listening and learning from leadership experts, we encourage you to share this podcast with them. Also, we'd like to invite you to use the link in the show notes to contact us for more information on our coaching, C-suite meeting facilitation, and leadership training programs. Thank you again for listening. Until we meet again, keep learning and leading with excellence.